A recent analysis of health insurance premiums by the Empire Center for Public Policy, a conservative think tank in Albany, found that New Yorkers paid some of the highest premiums in the country in 2022, spending on average nearly $9,000 a year for employer-sponsored single coverage, about 18% higher than the country's average. To explain why New York's costs are the way they are and what, if anything, can be done at the state level to lower premiums, we're joined by Eric Linzer, president and CEO of the New York Health Plan Association, which represents insurers in the Empire State. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Thanks for having me, Dave. So for starters, I want to run some numbers by you and see if they generally reflect your understanding of the cost of insurance in New York. And we have a single employee that I mentioned at the top, which averaged about $8,936 in premiums last year, and employee plus one, which averaged at 16702 in premiums, and a family plan that ran $24,368 in average premiums. Do those numbers, which are compiled by the Agency for Healthcare Research and quality sound reflective of reality as you are aware? Yeah, that's pretty consistent, Dave. I mean, the cost of health insurance is a direct result of underlying health care costs. And New York has uh, some of the highest health insurance costs in the country, in large part because we've got some of the highest health care costs in the country. Well, yeah, from your perspective, what is it that's driving New York's costs above and beyond other states? Is it solely linked to the idea that delivering health care costs more in New York? And is that a factor of just our health care system or is it more product of everything in New York is more expensive? Well, I think it's a combination of both, Dave. But when you look at premiums, you know, the underlying cost of care, doctor's visits, hospital stays, prescription drugs, those are the largest drivers of, of premiums. And in New York, we have some of the highest health care costs in the country. Back in April, the Healthcare Cost Institute issued a report looking at healthcare costs and increases in prices from 2017 to 2021. Nationally, prices grew about 14%. New York, they grew about 18%, including a 38% increase in inpatient hospital stays. So our prices are higher, the growth is higher. At the same time, government policies, uh, mandated benefits, taxes, fees, assessments that get imposed on health insurance also contribute to the cost. And then there are other factors that were that are consistent with contributors nationally, like like inf- inflation and so, uh, some other factors such as uh, the public health unwind in, in Medicaid that are contributing to healthcare costs. But at the same time. Under, you know, health insurance is, is expensive because healthcare is expensive. New York's healthcare costs are among the highest in the country. That's why you have high health insurance costs. Is there any indication or reason to believe that the higher premiums translate to better coverage than what people might be getting in other states where they might be paying less in annual premiums? Well, I think the good news in New York is when, you know, despite the the pandemic and and the concern at the time when you go back three you know three plus years when everybody thought that the pandemic was going to result in a, a loss of coverage for you know for individuals, the good you know the good news has been that New York has been able to maintain its high rate of insurance, and we've got less than five percent, probably about four percent uninsured in the state. I think that's partly due to public-private efforts in New York between plans, the delivery system, health insurers to make sure that people have and were able to maintain coverage. At the same time, 
I think when you look at some of the, the quality metrics, you, New York still has a long way to go in certain areas, particularly I think recent reports from the LeapFrog Group and others you know, have shown that you know, our quality is not where it should be, despite paying some of the highest healthcare costs in the country. And what about the second part of the equation when it comes to healthcare bills, which are not just your premiums, there can also be out-of-pocket expenses. So is there reason to believe that New York's higher premiums result in less out-of-pocket costs down the road, or are our New Yorkers paying a lot there too? Well, it'll depend on the type of coverage that individuals purchase. Some of the numbers that you referenced at the top, Dave, employer-sponsored coverage. Remember, employers pick up a big chunk of the premium for their employees and their families. In some instances, it's you know 50% or more. So a lot of the healthcare costs are being borne by the employer community. But when it comes to out-of-pocket costs, you know, it does reflect in the high cost of, of services in New York. So for in some instances, individuals who may have you know, emergency service, there may be a high out-of-pocket cost depending upon the type of coverage that they have, whether it's there's a deductible or coinsurance. But at the same time, premiums, deductibles, out-of-pocket costs all reflect the underlying cost of care. Are there any specific state taxes on health insurance that you would point to as being a big driver of the cost of the insurance that people are paying for? Yes. So the state imposes about $6.5 billion annually to the cost of health insurance. There's a variety of different taxes that the state imposes various fees and assessments, you know, some respects you know, utilized for certain health-related things, such as helping to fund Medicaid, but those do, you know, those costs do uh, translate into higher premiums for, for a New Yorker. So as an example, that $6.5 billion annually results in about $1,000 for an average, uh, increasing the average family premium by about $1,000. So there are ways that the state ought to be thinking about how to better utilize some of that funding in order to give some relief to individuals. But at the same time, really, if we're going to talk about getting at affordability, certain government policies like taxes, fees, and, and assessments on insurance have to be examined. But we also have to be looking at the major factors, which are drugs, hospitals, and doctor costs. On the taxes front, I know some of that money ends up getting invested into other healthcare areas. So if the state was to stop, say, the $6.5 billion in taxes on health insurance companies, would we need to find other revenue streams to cover those healthcare costs? Or would they not necessarily need to make the same levels of investments because maybe people would have access to insurance because it might be cheaper? You know, there's a balancing act that would be required. So as an example, you know, Dave, some of that money that, that comes from those taxes get utilized to help pay for uh, the state's indigent care pool. But that you know pays for you know all, all hospitals. And in some instances, you have you know hospitals that may not provide as much charity or indigent care as others. The state ought to be thinking about how to reallocate some of those those funds. That the you know that money in theory could be utilized in part to maybe provide subsidies for you know for lower income individuals or to offset the cost of coverage for for some, and then reallocate a portion of that money just to those institutions that do the bulk bulk of the indigent care and and really do the the heavy lifting there. You know, so there's ways that the state and policymakers ought to be thinking about 
reusing the, those dollars, one, to, to achieve the policy goals that they want, which is to make sure that the indigent care pool is functioning the way it should, but at the same time, making you know making coverage more affordable by maybe reallocating some of those dollars to give relief to uh, to New Yorkers. And what about the mandate front? It seems like every year we have state lawmakers who are passing legislation mandating that insurers cover uh, certain procedures, certain care, or changing when certain care becomes covered by insurers. And this is done with the idea that it ultimately benefits public health and as billed by the legislators will save money in the long run. Do you feel like these mandates end up saving any money in the long run, or having a positive impact on public health, or are they just drivers of cost? Mandates certainly do add to the cost of coverage, and New York has about you know more than three dozen uh, mandated benefits on, on the books. And I think there's two important things to remember about mandates. You know, one is uh, an individual mandate on its own may not you know cost very much there may be a small amount on a on a per member basis when you start to add up all of those ma- mandates it does result in significant costs that add to premiums in addition to that uh, because of the way you know, federal law works those mandated benefits only apply to a a subset of individuals co- covered in in states so uh, you know this is a you know long way of saying that mandates only apply to you know certain groups you know individuals who purchase coverage on their own you know small you know businesses and some medium and and large companies but in most instances large employers self insure you know self insure are subject to federal requirements therefore they don't aren't subject to state mandated benefits so when mandates get passed folks may think that it covers a broad number of individuals really it's limited to uh, the individual market and uh, uh, and small group—they're the ones that ultimately bear the cost of that. And you know how much that may affect you know public health. I think you know becomes a question. Well, is there anything else that you think represents low-hanging fruit on the cost of care that could be uh, addressed, which could then have a positive change on what people are paying for premiums? Yeah. So I think, you know, there's a couple of proposals that the legislature had passed this year that we had supported, you know, one that would require an early warning of prescription drug price increases requiring that manufacturers provide 60 days notice before they increase their prices by 16% or more over a two year period. The idea here is to give consumers some early warning so that they can plan appropriately before those price increases take effect. Likewise, there was a, a bill that, that passed that would require uh, you know, an examination of variation in hospital prices. These are two good transparency measures that without that kind of information or warning, you know, really you know, leaves you know, consumers, employers, policymakers without you know, truly understanding what's driving those costs and how do we get at them. But then we all need to be really, really aggressive about getting at those underlying costs. I talked a little bit about thinking about those the taxes and fees on health insurance, but we also ought to be looking at you know the big ticket items, hospital you know costs, additional work that can be done around pharmaceutical uh, costs. I think on the provider side with hospitals, you know prohibiting some of the anti-competitive contracting practices, including 
prohibiting restrictive language that you know really you know, causes dysfunction in the market and artificially increase increases prices would be you know one way to go about that. Uh, so there's a number of steps that policymakers ought to be looking at as they head into the 24 session as ways to you know not just address underlying healthcare costs, but to give meaningful relief to employers and consumers. Well, finally, is a potential answer to the question of higher premiums simply turning to state regulators for some relief? Because it seems like every year we get some sort of press release in the summer from uh, the State Department of Financial Services saying they've reduced requests from insurers to raise individual plan rates and small group rates. So why not just look to state regulators for savings on premiums? Could the answer just be there, having them tell people what they can charge? Well, I mean, right now, plans file their rates. The department will review the rates. The rates that the plans had submitted in May you know, reflected underlying costs and, and were reasonable. So I think really, rather than turning, you know, turning it all over to a state regulatory you know, entity, I mean, we really need to look at the full, you know, the full picture. Premiums are a reflection of underlying costs. So, you know, in order to make healthcare more affordable, we really need to get at what hospitals, doctors, pharmaceutical manufacturers are charging if we're going to provide real relief on the premium side. Well, we've been speaking with Eric Linzer. He is the president and CEO of the New York Health Plan Association. Eric, thank you so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me, Dave. Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information. Join us again for Capitol Press Room, a production of WCNY Connected, Syracuse.